Welcome to the show. Is that what we do? That's what we do here. We do Freedomics <laughs> here. This is Freedomics. I'm Anthony Smith. You're Zach Strickland, and this is the show. This is the show. So, welcome back to Freedomics. For those of you that don't know, this is the show that combines the freight markets and what's happening in those with current economic trends and analysis, uh, explaining some of those details along the way, talking about supply chain disruptions, uh, anything from company earnings to less than truckload volumes. Uh, you know, we cover it. We cover the gamut here. Uh, we don't try to limit ourselves or put ourselves in a, in a rabbit hole, but Anthony Smith, lead economist at Freight Waves. That me. Uh, Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence. Uh, so today's show, uh, we've got a big mixed bag of things today to cover. We're going to do kind of a hot take on a few different things. Uh, we are obviously in the environment that we can do that because there's a lot of different stuff going on in a lot of different corners, and no one thing is more important than the other, Anthony Smith. My opinion is more important than yours. I know that much. I can't argue. Um, <laughs> you know, we do have, we do have uh, you know, anybody in trucking knows that there's uh, the tropical developments are always interesting and make things very interesting uh, throughout the year. We've got one of those brewing, uh, you know, just in time for me to potentially take a vacation and wreck it mm. um, down there in the Caribbean right now. Uh, it's not even named yet. Uh, it doesn't look like it gets, it's going to turn into too much uh, just yet. Uh, but time will tell. It's still a good five days, four to five days away. Uh, anybody that hauls freight around the Gulf Coast, though, uh, certainly should be paying attention to that. And, of course, yeah. Miami uh, is in that cone of uncertainty, as they call it. Uh, so certainly something that we, we will be watching here closely at Freight Waves. Uh, just, you know, those those storms tend to cause a lot of disruption, and we've had our share of disruption in this year's freight market. Uh, volumes, Anthony Smith, yeah. continue They're going. to increase our tender volumes. And this is, you know, these are, you know, this is, a, this is indicative of trucking activity uh, in the United States. It hit an all-time high this week of 13,000, uh, the OTVI, uh, baselined at 10,000 on March 1st, 2018. And we are 30% uh, higher <laughs> yeah. uh, than that value right now. So a lot of activity out there, a lot of supply chain disruption for those of you that have watched. Um, and, you know, we've had a lot of questions concerning, you know, it can't be that high, can it? Right. You know, we, we've we've had to address a lot of these questions here the last little bit. And I, I think, uh, you know, it's hard, you know, operating in the in the trucking world, the domestic trucking world. We just don't have a lot of information uh, to, to go on. Uh, you know, there's a lot of macroeconomic figures out there that have, you know, a relationship with truckload and trucking, LTL trucking, supply chains, you know, we, we come up, we, we have all sorts of different numbers out there that are, that are, you know, provide some level of clarity, but without, you know, the level of detail of like knowing exactly how many shipments Target has right now this week and yeah. how many shipments is Home Depot pushing across the ocean right now, there's really nobody out there that can tell us definitively exactly what's going on. But the OTVI is a very, you know, 
spread out index. It has a wide breadth of variety in it. Uh, doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily have some bias mm-hmm. at times, but so does the freight market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, at any given time, every, every Christmas, what do you think the type of freight dominates trucking? I'm going to go on a guess or a whim here and just say maybe consumer items and gifts and presents. And that Santa Claus is a master of logistics. That is that is that's what happens. That's what happens is any given time, certain shippers, customers dominate the freight market or have a strong influence in it. It does not always mean that we are in this constant stagnant mix of here's 15 percent industrial products moving through the economy. Twenty five percent of that is CPG and five percent of it is auto manufacturing products. I mean, then there's also blurred lines between all of those. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you just nailed it right there. I mean, there's produce season. There is a season where construction is very active during those spring months and sometimes into the summer and then there's those times where seasonality just doesn't make sense like now because Mm -hmm. what is seasonality now and (laughs) things are on a different priority list Mm -hmm. and so I think now what we're seeing is maybe we can't rely too heavily on some of those historical trends and we it it gives us a lot more uncertainty on what's moving Mm -hmm. but we know stuff is moving. And not just historical trends, but historical relationships, historical connections. The way that we knew the world prior to COVID is no longer that exact way. We don't have the same exact strong connections uh, between things that we used to have, Um, you know, and we're we're learning about those as we go at this point in time, obviously. Um, But I think that the indication here, and I think we've already told the story about what OTVI is really telling us, uh, you know, because we can look at some of these market to market granularities and tell this is not simply uh, a market that's just like, well, it's summer season, seasonal movements, getting mm-hmm. ready for, you know, they're, you know, we've already had our seasonal push of produce, et cetera, that's, that drives a lot. No, we've got so much supply chain uh, dislocation and, and, and adaptation that's going on within that behavior, uh, consumer behavior. Yeah. All these things are coming together and it's creating this bubble uh, of the freight market that it will eventually settle down. Yeah. We, we, I think we can all agree on that, the timing of which is under debate currently, and we're going to address that today a little bit. Uh, we've had, you know, a lot of pretty, a lot of pretty solid economic releases. Yeah, we uh, had some upper movement on a month-to-month basis for some economic releases. But as you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of the relationships are strange now. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the timing of which, too. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. I, I think one of the, I, I wrote a chart of the week this week based on rail. Yeah, rail data, and and you're like, well, what does that have to do? And it's rail car loads. It's not even, it's not even like container volumes. It was rail car loads, and the the point of the article was simply that these rail car loads are raw materials. They're bulk items. They're chemicals. They're motor vehicle parts. Um, things that you can load in a hopper or a gondola, and then they just dump them on the floor of a production facility. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have a direct connection to trucking. But the indication is, is once these factories and machines start getting going and turning on, it will only increase trucking volumes. To what extent and what percentage, nobody knows. Yeah. Um, but those have a, a strong connection to the truckload market, and they lead it uh, to an extent. So it's almost like, hey, watch out. But... The big question for me is, will the maritime import, you know, you know, which still appears to be quite strong, uh, will that supply chain adaptation, that inventory repositioning, you know, consumers buying certain products to get ready to be living in their house, yeah. when will that start to slow down? And I think we are starting to see the at least 
stabilizing influences on that activity at this point in time. Uh, we're not seeing as much long-haul freight moving through the country as we were. Uh, Shorter-haul freight is now kind of growing uh, disproportionately a little bit. And uh, also, we're seeing some maritime indication that we're not seeing the booking activity that we saw earlier in the month mm -hmm. start to slip. doesn't mean that it's going to just die. Right. It just means that we might be reaching more of a, a point where volumes kind of settle. Yeah. You know, they're not necessarily going to grow crazily or anything like that. And, and it, it's interesting to see. And, you know, let's dive into some economic stuff here in a minute. But first up, let's, let's go over, you know, this kind of relates to what we've been talking about with people are not sure what to make of this really disconnected view from what they've seen traditionally in the freight market and what we're actually measuring. How can volumes be this high? How can tender rejection rates be this high? How can spot market rates be this high right now? It doesn't make any sense that they continue. Even you look at DAT releases and, and they're even talking about how un, unseasonable trends yeah. and the, you know, and the expansion of spot rates. And they talk about network balances. And obviously that is, a driving factor of the freight market when we talk about network balances. Um, you know, it's basically saying there's more freight coming out of Los Angeles than coming into it. Yeah. There's a constant imbalance there, but there's a stable imbalance. And a lot of times those imbalances become more pronounced mm -hmm. or they shift to other areas of the country, but they're normally short-lived yeah. and they only last for a limited period of time. What we're seeing right now has been an extended period. Equilibrium eventually finds itself. And as we jump into this first topic, just real quick, I forgot to mention, we are actively streaming right now on LinkedIn and Facebook. So I already see Eric Serta's in there. He says, my favorite data monger and economist. We appreciate you, Eric. <laughs> uh, Tim Dooner saying, bring it. Um, <clears throat> Kyle Van Artston, SpongeBob engaged, uh, Common Serban. Um, why do we support California instead of supporting Ontario and BC for fresh produce? So people are active. And so yeah. uh, <laughs> I like it. Uh, we, we love to hear from you guys. And, and as we continue throughout this episode, you know, join in the conversation. And uh, without further ado, yeah, we can yeah. get into some of these stories. Yeah. So big story, uh, big stories right now are the earnings. Uh, and, I'm, you know, obviously we don't get into the, de the fine details of these earnings, but I think there's a lot to be gleaned uh, from these earnings calls. And, and the, in regards of, you know, measuring what the market's doing, because what better act what better barometer than a trucking carrier, yeah. <laughs> you know, a truckload yeah. carrier or a truck, uh, LTL or, or whoever to tell us exactly what their experience is. Now, each one of these independently has their own mix of customers. You know, one can, you know, haul 50% target and the other can haul 50% produce. Yeah. And they're going to have a different response. But overall, when you lump them together, you get a pretty good idea of what's going on. We covered Night Swift last week in, in, in pretty good detail, uh, mainly because they're the largest uh for hire carrier uh, in the in the United States, so they do have a pretty decent sized sample at just under two percent of the total for hire capacity in the trucking market truckload market. Uh, but you know, this week we had USA Truck come out, um, and again, I, I say they beat expectations. Yeah. But those were they were already they were modified yeah. back at after the first quarter because keep in mind when they were talking about this stuff in April. Pandemic was at its peak. We were just talking about shutting down for long periods of time. A lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainty, and here we are talking about them beating expectations uh, and actually having a pretty decent uh, recovery sign. So, to me, the things that stand out: their revenue, 
actually their revenue is only down, uh, you know, 7.8%. You know, does that mean that volumes are down? Not necessarily. Think about it this way. We're talking about quarter over quarter uh, volume. I mean, I'm pretty sure their volumes were down yeah. uh, looking at some of these other things, but I don't think it was 7% down. You're talking about a year where we saw contracted rate uh, deceleration. We saw a lot of that contracted. You know, they, they, you look at the cast truckload line haul index, we're talking about a 6% decrease in overall freight, uh, you know, spend uh, on similar volumes year over year in January. That to me tells me that contracted rates have, are depressed. Yeah. Uh, we got a little bit of contraction on that side, at least in, you know, some level of the, of the freight market. So we have to take those things into account when we're looking at these. So that's 7.8% down some of that's retraction. And, and, and you tell me that they, you know, I, I would allocate, okay, three to 4% of that is just probably some rate contraction to an mm -hmm. extent, uh, ignoring the spot contract mix. And USA Truck is notoriously heavy on the spot market, but... And which leads the other? Yeah. <laughs> the spot market tends to lead the contract. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, in, in most instances. And, but the spot market has to be a trend. It's a trend of the spot market, not necessarily you know, overall rates. So a spike up in the spot, doesn't is it going to not going to drive drag somebody's out of contract? Right, right. Uh, so to me, this looks like they had a, a modest decline in this quarter, but you're talking about one quarter. Yeah. April, May, June. We talked about this with Knight Swift. You're talking about one number mm -hmm. representing three months, and those three months extremely differentiated. Yeah. In terms of how they were, uh, you know, April was 20 to 30 percent down uh, by most people's accounts in terms of volumes. Then you have this June, you know, and we're still in this expansionary state. Yeah. June was a good month. So you're telling me that we overcame a 20 percent lower April and only and only lost 7 percent in the quarter. I mean, that's that's a dramatic that to me tells me that June, May and June were a lot better than anticipated. Right. Um, and, and they were able to manage through it pretty well. Uh, their revenue per loaded mile only down, uh, you know, 12 cents. Their average length of haul was about the same. Deadhead percent up from 12.7% to 13.1%. Not a strong increase considering that we had such a bad month of April. Yeah. So you have to kind of climb through this a little bit. And, and, and see that this is really not that bad uh, of a freight market that we're operating in right now. Yeah. I mean, they even improve their OR, and of course, you can, that's a, there's a cost component in that, and they obviously manage their costs to an extent, but 98.6 to 97.8%, uh, pretty decent. And that's on just the truck side, not on the consolidated side, including their logistics end. Um, but that to me tells me that that things are probably were not that bad in the in the second quarter. And you think about it, go back to April. Mm -hmm. How bad were we thinking the second Horrific. quarter? <laughs> we thought it was going to be a Horrific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that kind of also goes to show. Um, I think we always mention it, but I think that kind of drives home the point that when we're looking at macroeconomic data and the trucking industry, the two aren't always hand in hand. There are some that correlate well. There are some that are, have a, a good relationship. But um, overall, when we look at the macroeconomy, it's not going to be always indicative of what's happening in transportation. I think this is a good example of that. Yeah. No, there, there, there's definitely a disconnection at times. Uh, there's certain macroeconomic data that's more pertinent given the time period and what we're seeing. But 
you know, I've been look, those unemployment numbers still scare me, <laughs> big time. Yeah, uh, big you know, time. as a you know something to look at here in the next coming months. When does this demand cycle kind of run its course? Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to end in the next month. But mm-hmm. what does that mean for the fourth quarter? The fourth quarter is a huge question mark for me right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the things when we're looking at, um, of course, with the stimulus packages, and I think that's a huge uncertainty for many people right now. Um, I, the thing I always have on, on economic policies, they're always easy to put in place. They're hard to take away. And mm-hmm. so um, whether that be a government subsidy, whether that be any kind of a program or any kind of allowance, they're easy to put in place. It's almost like I don't drink, but it's like drinking a lot. You know, you might have a, a, a lot of drinks, and, and maybe you're having a good time, you're, you had a few too many, you're going to feel it the next day. The hangovers are never fun. But I think that's what I'm a little bit wary of is that hangover effect yeah. where you try to take some of these back and it's just like, or, or a caffeine addiction. You try to just go cold, co- uh, uh, cold turkey, no more caffeine, mm-hmm. no more coffee. And now you got the headaches and you're just like, oh man, what did I just go through? And um, so I think that's what we're going to see now, um, potentially in the second half of 2020. But we're already seeing the government kind of pull back, you know, 70 percent replacement, not 100 percent. So they're pulling back. They're trying to wean people off and get a lot less reports of people saying, you know what? I don't want to go back to the office. Right. This is a sweet deal. (laughs) I'm getting this check. Yeah. And there's a lot that goes into that. Right. I mean, you're not just looking at, okay, I'm getting more money than when I was when I was employed. But now... I, maybe I'm spending more time with the family. Maybe we're just living it up. We're, we're going on vacations. And we're, this, there's a certain lifestyle that yeah. has been uh, accepted now and adapted to. And so um, Americans have short memories. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, <laughs> what, what was life before this? I don't know. And, and you can see that happen anytime when uh, a major um, uh, retail uh, outlet has some kind of outrage or when a uh, fast food place has some kind of food born illness, people steer clear for a little bit, then he's like, you know what? I could really go for fill in the blank. No, everybody kind of settles back in to their new normal. And, and, you know, this, I think we're, we're a little bit, you know, this is human nature. We're adaptive, we're adaptable creatures Uh, by nature. uh, We're supposed to be able to adapt to the environment around us. And all of a sudden we just become accepting of, you know, if it, Maybe it is extremely volatile, like we're living in right now. This will not persist, and maybe, but maybe we've adapted to the fact that, okay, I know it's not going to persist, but I'm kind of comfortable with things being this crazy right, right. now. And and you get complacent because it's exhausting to be like yeah. on edge all the time about what's going to happen next. But we are by n- no means through this. Yeah, uh, all the signs are pointing to, you know, we're going to see a lot more stabilization. Uh, we're still seeing so much volatility on the supply chain end, uh, starting to show the earliest signs of the industrial economy coming back. Uh, so that still hasn't played it played out. You've got your uh, you know stimulus checks ne- next round coming into play. What does that mean? What is that going to do on the maritime end? We've got the port of Savannah last uh, you know this last year reported only a one percent decline in tonnage mm-hmm. year over year for their fiscal year. Their fiscal year ended in June. And that includes this COVID world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we're, we're compressing 12 months into one single data point, but or I should say 24 months. But, you know, that to me tells me that we've had significant <laughs> movement. And, yeah. and, you know, when you're averaging out zero and 100, <laughs> it's still 50. Yeah. 
Whereas we've been used to living in 40 and 60, averaging 50. Yeah. We're basically just had a zero to 100, <laughs> averaging 50. It, one data point does not do it justice. Uh, one of the reasons I do like the sonar data, because it's right when things are volatile, you want as many reports as possible on a daily basis just right. to make sure that you're getting through it. Um, and, and that's it's tough to live that way. And people tend to get complacent and say, like, you know what? It's going to go up and down, but you're going to miss out on a lot, you yeah. know, if, if you do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the maritime side also, uh, we have just, in, you know, one of my favorite new data sets is our ocean shipments index. Henry Byers, our maritime expert, uh, really helped push this along with John Hellis, uh, data scientist. Um, really did great work here in trying to figure out, all right, we need to get in front of these imports, because that's what's driven a lot of the freight market volatility over the last year uh, to two years now. And they've come up with indexes that measure bookings. So basically, they can tell you over the next seven days, what do the bookings look like on, on the ocean for the major carriers, the, the alliances and whatnot. And they, uh, they're showing that they're still going to be up year over year over the next seven days, but they're starting to come back into line mm. with other years. Yeah, so we're starting trends. to settle back down. And more concerning than that to me is we're watching some blank sailings occur in October. Yeah. Something we haven't seen in a long time. They had been putting capacity back online. That's going to be an interesting comp. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why that fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, we did have some good macroeconomic releases. Let's, let's dig into those a little bit. Yeah. Um, on the macroeconomic front, we had, of course, Census Bureau released the Census Bureau released uh, the durable goods orders. Mm -hmm. So they had um, overall durable good orders, which came in at 7.3% in June on a month-over-month -month basis. And this is after a 15.1% increase in so May. So we're not all the way back, but we're sh we're, we recover. that was our biggest jump. Yeah, and of <laughs> course, that's, that's on the back of April where everything just shut down completely. Right. So of course, it's going to be that large jump up. But that continued rise of 7.3% of for overall durable goods. Um, you know, putting it into perspective, of course, always have to look at the year-over-year -year level. It's still down 13.3% year-over-year. But we are starting to see, starting to see that rise. Um, I think one of the big things that we spoke about early on with all of this is that this is going to hit not just state by state differently, but industry by industry differently. And so, for example, um, motor vehicles and, and parts and new orders increased 85.7% on a month-over-month -month basis. This is still down over 25% year-over-year, but it's an increase nonetheless. Compared to um, non-defense aircraft, so planes, which are piling up, not a lot of people flying around anymore. The demand isn't there. That industry is going to be forever changed or change drastically for a long time to come. And, and, and on that note, United just crushed it with yeah. the air cargo side. Yeah. Um, you know, they did a really good job. And this is that new world that we're talking about, right. that shifting supply chain, shifting behavior. United, obviously, large passenger, international passenger carrier, uh, has sh you been able to ref refit its fleet yeah. to carry air cargo. And they've actually committed to it moving forward now, knowing it's going to be a while before those passengers come back. Yeah. So I think this is, this is that activity that's kind of propping up the economy right now, that changing that adaptable behavior, mm -hmm. creating some extra energy uh, that's pushing through the economy. I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's going to be those individuals that... Um, 
are able to maneuver and pivot quickly that are going to be able mm. to really kind of capture a lot of this market share. Um, we spoke about when uh, businesses start to reopen again. It's going to be those that are able to open in a safe and, and, and aggressive manner at the same time to kind of capture mm-hmm. that market share and do it in such a way where they're innovative, whether it be more of an e-commerce um, environment or platform. But definitely when we're looking at that, that's going to be one that drags down overall durable goods. We're looking at aircrafts, of course. Um, and but, but when we're looking at the consumer side, those consumables, those durable goods, those things that have shelf lives of three years or more is mm-hmm. considered a durable good. And so... Thank you for the definition. Of course, of course. <laughs> and so we're looking at like no toasters and things like that. So mm-hmm. not that people are just buying up uh, appliances, but... Um, I didn't realize this, but apparel is a non-durable good, correct? Yeah. Yeah, because they're sh- they're considered their shelf life. Just a little fun fact that I yeah. like to I've, fabrics. I've learned that in our in our interactions together. Yeah, I didn't realize that fabrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> non durable good. And who wants to get caught in you know 2017's outfit? You know, not you. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's definitely something to consider. My when closet. We're at My closet goods. is full of 2017 gear. <laughs> oh goodness, Zach, we got to go. Express.com. What, I mean, com? blank 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 blank. <laughs> if you want to sponsor the show. Dot com. What's What's this dot com you're speaking? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the other aspects when we're looking at um, that report was non-defense capital goods, new orders, excluding aircrafts, which is a barometer of business-to-business activity. This was one of the areas that was already hard hit before COVID. One of the factors was because of um, the trade wars in 2019, a lot of pull yep. forward for business investment, and then uncertainty throughout the remainder of the year. Um, and so when we... And, when we're looking at that, that increased 3.3%. And as we've seen on a month-to-month basis, 3.3% on a month-to-month basis. But as we look at a lot of the other segments, they have these large swings over year-over-year basis. This is only down 2.2% from last year's level. Wow. So that kind of shows how weak it already was. And mm-hmm. it, it, it was so it's almost like, all right, it was already bad and it's kind of less bad. And <laughs> so this is going to be an area that we're going to watch closely because that's going to be um, an area that's going to potentially come back early if there is any kind of incentive for businesses to kind of come back online, if there's any kind of incentives for manufacturing mm-hmm. despite the second wave or, right. or additional spikes. But we also have, we also have the election uh, to talk about. I yeah. mean, that's, that's going to be a big deal, uh, seeing how people's, you know, can, you know, their spending habits have changed, obviously, with the COVID uh, outbreak. But the election cycle traditionally when there's a question mark around which party's going to control the house and the senate mm-hmm. and all this kind of and the president obviously uh there's always a big spending you know either resi- resilience you know or or you know conser- conservation uh depending on how they feel like they're going to be taxed yeah. and rewarded because there's yeah. a lot of money uh involved in that so there's a few little headwinds there still uh, hanging quite around. Quite a bit. Yeah, and I was chatting with a good friend, uh, uh, Matt, and oh, Tim Dooner has jokes in here. Um, uh, my good friend Matt in New Mexico and talking about how different um, uh, regional and, and state elect- electees, uh, those government officials might be acting in order to kind of prompt or propel themselves into this election cycle to say, this is how I handled um, the the epidem- or the pandemic. This is how, right. what we did. And this is our results, good or bad. This is what we did. Vote for mm-hmm. me. And so <laughs> I think there's a lot of that positioning going on and a lot of uncertainty, just as you mentioned. And people are sitting year. on cash. They are yeah. still sitting on that cash, those capital expenditures and, and all these earnings calls that we monitor. None of them have talked about, you know, really making huge investment moves uh, by any means. But 
they are opening up the pocketbook a little bit uh, in order to maintain a lot of this stuff. So again, we're, we're still sitting on a lot of potential energy uh, in the economy, a lot of uncertainty. I don't think we're over the hump. Do you, Anthony? It's going to vary. I don't think we're over the hump in certain industries, but I think um, there is a lot more action to be had in the rest of 2020. And Tim Dooner is just, him and Vincent are just going off in the comments right now. <clears throat> Michael Vincent us. says, apparel is not durable when your buffness level is <laughs> that of mine or Anthony's. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> eh. oh, but uh, I mean... I mean, it is, hard, it is hard to keep, I mean... Michael Vincent. Yeah. You guys are big. Is a freak of nature. Yeah. Well, y'all are football players. He's a linebacker. Y'all are football players. This is irrelevant. He was a linebacker. <laughs> I wouldn't want irrelevant. no parts of him as a running back. <laughs> but with that, um, that's that's been our show. I don't know if we have a, a debate topic right now. I don't know if the... No, I, I think I think the debate really is, are we through the biggest cloud of the recovery of the freight market, of the economy? I don't think that we are just yet. I think we still have a lot of questions uh, here over the next six months. There's plenty of activity, obviously, yeah. uh, that has left to run its course. The industrial economy finally woke up. Mm. Uh, I just... There's, there's still so many moving parts here that have not settled into what I think we can consider like, okay, now we, we can rely on this being the new normal mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, for an extended period of time. Yeah. I think we've got out of the major shakeups, but I think that's not the end of the shakeups. Yeah, it's kind of like... I think I, there's a many smaller... It's like a big earthquake and all the residual... Aftershocks. Yeah, all the aftershocks. Right on. Well, that'll do it for this week's show. And thank you so much for watching. Be sure to check out all of our podcasts and freight casts on FreightWaves.com and other social media. Mike Barton, this was a genius. I don't know if enough people know that. Uh, we know. We know. I don't know. Henry Byers is also a genius. We know that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying facts at this point. Yeah. I mean, okay. Those are great.